And tonight with me, I have Corey. He has 10 years of experience. Uh, a like little that. bit less than that, like officially, like more like eight official ITers. Oh, okay. So you're like me with your unofficial years when you just played with stuff. Well, I mean, if we're going that far back, then it's like 20 or, or more, <laughs> but yeah. Fair. And uh, yeah, so we'll be talking about servers here in a little bit, but um, you don't really do a whole lot of tech stuff anymore, but did you have anything happen today that was particularly interesting? Um, yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm like the tech guy for my family, right? Because that's, sure. that's what we do. Um, when, it, we're, yes. when, when it wasn't my day job, it was my night job. So um, <laughs> actually today I did have a, a fairly techy thing. I moved a, a Nest camera for my mom um, so she could oh. have a better angle of her pool. Oh, well, I'm got to keep those kids safe, right? Yeah, that's right, because my 16-month-old likes to run around and we don't want pool. <laughs> At least not without proper supervision. Correct. Sure. That is Yeah, that would be real bad. Yeah. Well, my day at work <laughs> had more of the same Windows 10 headache with printers, so, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember those days. It, it's super-duper fun, and apparently I was told that this whole issue that we've been dealing with happened back with Windows 7, too. So... <laughs> Awesome. It, yeah, I guess it took quite a while for them to get all the Windows 7 printers figured out to be like, this is what you use. And I'm a little bit worried for Windows 10 because like with Windows 7, at least it stayed constant. Mm -hmm. What you could get, that's not the same. So, yeah. Yep. Software people, if you're listening, don't base anything on a print driver ever unless you're actually making printers. <sighs> That's bad. Really super frustrating. Yeah, that's annoying. Because <laughs> it doesn't just happen once and then you go fix it. Like, you have to keep going back. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. like, different Windows updates now are, well, anybody uh, who works in the IT field with Windows 10 right now knows that it's just affecting all kinds of randomness because of the, the way that the rolling updates go. Like, you could have something hit in an update and then, you know, Windows is also pulling updates and it just... Yep. Oh boy, it's hard to keep on top of. Yeah, ever since Windows, Microsoft decided to change to their, their rolling, oh man, it just, I mean, they, they their milestone rollout wasn't the best, but it's a little bit better than their, their rolling rate so far. with. Exactly. Just so I hope it's been a learning process for them and like we're going to continue to get better, but I'm a little bit worried that it's not going to be that. It's probably going to we'll be more of the same before. Yeah, well... I can only imagine how difficult it is to try to make sure you cover all of the things only instead of having like years worth of planning, you get six months. Yep. I can't even imagine being that poor person. So can you imagine yeah. being the project manager in charge of like the testing, Oof. like integrated testing? God, that sounds no. awful. Like, I well, hope. and especially like with the printers, there's no standardization. Right. So you can have some random podunk printer from North Korea that is all of a sudden super popular and now you have to try to support it and you've no idea what kind of drivers it uses and yeah there's a guy at enterprise with their dot matrix like printer with their uh tear down sides trying to figure out how to make this work after the latest update with windows 10 good luck buddy <laughs> yes because they still do that so they can print in triplicate that's right which is, which is not a thing you can do on most printers but yeah so that's an ongoing battle, and I'm afraid we'll continue to be an ongoing battle for a long time, but so it goes. But anyway, there's also some really disturbing news out there. 
Do you have it pulled up? Do you want to talk about it first? Um, I mean, yeah, I've got I've got some here. So, um, yeah, it came out a couple of days ago that uh, something called Zombie Load. Hackers have they've called it Zombie Load. It's affecting Intel chips dating back to 2011, and it's a they're called it, it's a side channel attack, uh, meaning they don't have to inject code. It's just an exploit they can they can get into, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so. Mm, that's not good. It's it's an architecture based thing. So that's that's something Intel's gonna have to do some serious PR on. Yeah. So when we say architecture, when they go to build a computer, there's little um conductor pieces basically, right? So there's like silicone and there's like various kinds of metal and things that have to be configured in such a way and the actual processor has like little I don't think that most of them don't have pins on them, I don't think anymore. But yeah, there's little not contact, yeah. But there's little contact points that when you go to put the processor onto the motherboard, like all of these little teeny tiny things have to be physically um, lined up and, and just so in order to work. And apparently the bug is embedded in such a way that you, you would have to somehow physically take the processors off and somehow figure out whatever that architecture is and and figure out how to fix it. But there's no way you could because you can't fix a processor without like super like microscopic being able to look at stuff and 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 a really good clean room oh yes that's you (laughs) you can't have any dust you can't have any anything on there which is why if you've ever seen like the well even intel commercials will have like people walking by these big rooms with people with like hairnets and like they almost look like hazmat suits yeah positive pressure suits yeah exactly and that's just because for uh the building of any kind of uh, electronics everything has to be completely super duper clean because a speck of dust can completely destroy and make a processor explode which is one of those things when i learned i was like you no, that's silly why would they but it's yeah it's fun <laughs> <laughs> so um i apparently they've they've already been addressing it with the newest chips that are coming out mm-hmm. so we'll see what they can come up with um on on trying to mitigate the risk in older chips but it sounds like at this point if you have an intel processor that's been between now and eight years ago yep yeah uh yeah but just plan on you know updating soon (laughs) yeah and and it does say here like like intel neither intel nor nor gruss um have released exploit code to the public to say like for for people who red hat hackers and stuff go and try to positively hack things and and exploit things for for the good of um so there's really no like not to scare anybody out there there's no real immediate threat there this is going to be something pretty difficult um to do if someone really wanted to get (laughs) into your computer bad enough they're much easier and um less physical ways yeah and i honestly i don't have enough detail because they haven't released that information to be able to tell you exactly like what is at risk but yeah it could be it could be real bad but we'll see (laughs) i don't know how that's gonna go yet it said here that the researchers they have a proof proof of concept video that the flaws could be exploited to see which websites a person is visiting in real time um but they said that it could be repurposed to grab passwords or access tokens used to lose accounts Mm -hmm. But it's. I think it's still gonna. They're they're easier. I would think so. And plus, when it comes to passwords now, like I think a lot of 
the the companies are going to like two factor authentication so mm-hmm. that I know I've had uh, my Yahoo account has been on two factor authentication and I've actually had a few times when people are apparently trying to hack into my account mm. and I get notifications on my phone and it says hey somebody's trying to log into your account wow. I don't it could just be my husband like launching <laughs> uh, Chrome on his computer and it's just trying to get in but right. I'm you know like oh that's th- thanks Yahoo <laughs> don't let them log in that's yep. not me. I use two-factor whenever I can. So it's, and it's just way more secure because of like, you know, if somebody does get a hold of your password, all of a sudden it doesn't, it doesn't matter until you change it. You're yep. vulnerable. So. Yep. So yeah. Change your passwords, people. <laughs> Always. Friendly. Pro tip. <laughs> but anyway, so I brought you here because you know stuff about servers. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, I'm, I'm. Yeah, my background with servers isn't like setting them up or or accessing them, but it was supporting a team that supported them. Ah, so that's so my, you... that was my primary my primary role was a application development, a software development um, at a, an insurance company. In which one? Um, but very cool. Yeah, we they they built software that that people used, uh, and we had to support the the servers. So there were a lot of different servers for for software, um, data access software. Those are the primary ones. It was some web services, um, mainly data, and um, some application. Right. So. What is a server to start with? Um, so the the very basics, it's a computer. It's it could theoretically you could run a server on a laptop if you really wanted to. Um, but they're basically they're just machines that have a specific operating system on them that can do a lot of things all at once or at least seemingly all at once. And so they have server OSs on them. Like last time we talked about um, doing OSs on your computers and we talked a little bit about when you have a Windows machine, you need Windows servers. And if you have a Mac machine, you need Mac servers. And you can kind of make them crosstalk, but it's a problem. And then uh, Linux also is a huge in the server realm. But they all have different kinds of operating systems that allow the server to do a bunch of things that get really technical very quickly. <laughs> very true. Um, but the general concept is that most of them are bigger machines. Um, if you've ever gotten to go into somebody's server room, huh. usually there are big racks floor to ceiling and you have they're called blades instead of being called like individual computers and they look kind of like a pizza box like a really big pizza box that's Mm -hmm. screwed into this rack and it's just pizza box after pizza box after pizza box and normally server rooms are kept very cold because it's hot yes they generate so much heat they do and that's because of the processors that are being used and the ram and things that are going through it like your computer at home has to have fans right yep and so those fans help to keep your processors cool when you have like not even quadruple like 20 times the processing power that's in your normal computer all together in one little pizza box that's only about what two inches three inches thick yeah two three inches somewhere around. um so in that physical space you have that much processing power it's gonna get hot and so a big thing with server rooms is keeping them cool and making sure that there's plenty of air movement and so consequently you also have to keep them clean because yeah. you don't want uh fuzzies and things running around and, and clogging up all of the air ducts and things and 
and the other and the other thing is they're all stacked on top of each other and heat rises so you know the <laughs> the machine on the bottom sends it to the next one up and it just keeps going up and so the racks and racks get hot so if yeah if, if, if you've ever been in a situation where someone you know I've, I've worked service desk before so I know I know I've, I've luckily never gotten that call but I've heard the story of when the uh, the air conditioning went out in the server one of the server rooms um, that was like yeah yeah Pay as much then as you, you can to get the HVAC people here as fast as possible. Right. And then, like, you're deciding what needs to be kept up and what you can, like, okay, so you're not going to have file storage today because right. we're going to shut that blade off to try to keep it a little cooler in here. And then you get the doors all, well, there's usually only one door, too. Yep. Yep. Of the... Security. So have, like, yep. One door and like a giant fan and. <laughs> yep. Trying to get whatever you can out. I mean that, that there's a whole other protocol for the major incident that goes along with that, and that gets into kind of the structure and, and design of servers in terms of like how many are in the ring and if there's redundancy and you know yeah. stuff like that. And we'll probably get into won't jump in. Right. So that's the physical. Like that's what makes a server different. Is it's yeah. usually just a lot more powerful as far as all of the things that go along with it. Normally they don't worry about graphical interfaces so much. Yeah. So like the things that make a home computer expensive are way different than what makes a server expensive. And usually like if you're running software on a server anymore, they charge per core, mm -hmm. which is really hard to explain because each processor can have like 16 cores on it or yep. more. I don't even know what the, the current numbers are. Um, but it's it's a crazy amount. Like the first time I heard of somebody putting 128 gigs of RAM into something, mm -hmm. it was on a server. And I was like, that's not even, how's that a number? For <laughs> what? <laughs> how many sticks the is time, that? <laughs> yeah, like at the time that somebody was saying that, like four gigs was good for a regular computer. You know? Right, yep. Like 128, holy crap. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's insane. And then and then it gets really funky when you get into like virtual servers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and like allocating, you know, physical disk space to act as RAM for them and their virtual servers are are kind of crazy. They still blow my <laughs> That's basically going to have to be probably a whole nother episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> is the virtualization pieces. But... Don't don't ask me to talk about virtual servers cuz I I don't. We won't talk about that here. We're going to talk about physical servers. Yeah, I think it's probably safe. So the reasons that people use servers, um, usually at home, unless you're a super nerd, which there are plenty of them, like you, yeah, um, you don't usually have servers at home. <laughs> most most people don't. That's that's correct. I am I I am not most people. I am a computer nerd, so I have a server. Right. And what do you use your server for? So I have what's called a NAS. It's, it's technically called net, network attached storage, um, but it is its own standalone machine. And um, the difference with with a NAS versus a normal server is that you can actually get away with a weaker processor because it's primarily only acting as file storage. Um, okay. So, so you're really not doing any major computational stuff or running application that it's primarily for, you know, multiple people in your house on whatever their computer on, they can say, I want to go look at the photos from, you know, 2014 because they're all in one centralized location and everybody can access them. Um, so that's, that's primarily what I use mine for. It's, it's just basic a backup. It's a place where I can go and store all my stuff. And then I have that as like, I have another disk in there that's, it's duplicated. So I have redundancy. Um, so that if one goes bad, I have another one, and then it's kind of my own backup. And then I then I do back that up to the the whole thing's a cloud. Sure. 
And do you um, have it set up just as storage, or do you have it set up in a RAID array at all, or is it just like individual hard drives? I have. I just have two hard drives, and they're it's 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 the ZFS file system. I use FreeNAS. It's a, it's a free. It's an operating system. Um, so this kind of ties into what you were saying earlier, where it, a server has an operating system on it. So I'm not running Windows, and I'm not running Linux. Um, it's it's called FreeNAS, and it it runs on a thumb drive. So you install it on a thumb drive, and you plug it into the computer and it does what it does. You can run the operating system off the thumb drive. You don't even have a hard drive. On. In fact, they say that it's better to run it on the th um, so Fascinating. It, it runs on there and it's just plugged into my network and um, I can access it through its IP address. It's a, It's got a GUI, but it also has a uh, command line and it sits in my basement and yeah, and we just keep files on it and yeah. So I have two, cool. I think I have two, uh, I have two, two terabyte discs in there, um, hard drives. Okay. And so it acts as, as two separate, um, it's only two terabytes of storage. Sure. But even though there's four terabytes in there, but because so one is... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, so what do you mean by redundancy then? Sure. So with with it only appearing to be two terabytes and with two different hard drives, you think, oh, okay, there's there's actually a total of four terabytes of storage. But the way it's set up is that when you write to one disk, um, effectively, it's it's you're only writing to that one disk, and then that one disk is duplicated to the other one, so that in the event of a failure of one of them, the other one still has all the data on it. So it's basically a backup. Right. And in business world terms, backups are a huge deal. And I am certain that everybody listening to this has probably heard one tech person or another in their lives talk about a backup or setting up a backup or a backup failing, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a huge part of being on the server management team is figuring out how to run the backups, where to store the backups. Um, I know there's still companies out there who do tape backups, mm -hmm. <laughs> which they literally take all of the information that is stored on their servers mm -hmm. and they put it on essentially cassette tapes mm -hmm. and then they store those tapes off site somewhere. So company I used to work day, at used to do that. Iron Mountain. They were the tape backup company for us. Yes. Yep. 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 I think Iron Mountain was at mine too. Yep. Um, but those tape backups then are stored in like cold storage off-site so that if the entire building burns <laughs> down and all of your servers go up, you still have at least the data that you can resurrect mm -hmm. and get everything back that you need. Um, so they don't do that as much anymore. Like if you are starting a company now, most of the time it's more like you have an off-site storage, but it's still digital and usually it's over the internet and yeah. through a they usually have a um, connection to that site that is um, usually on a VPN, which is a virtual private network. And that connection um, is less hackable than even the tape backups. Like if somebody got a hold of your tape backups, they can basically do whatever they want. Right. <laughs> which is why, like, if you've ever seen people walking through your office with a locked uh, box, you might have tape backups being walked through your office right there. <laughs> It's true. I always think it's funny to see people with like, <laughs> like so serious with their. <laughs> There's like the uh, the handcuff around the wrist to the to the box. <laughs> Chop this but, guy's hand off to get the uh, to get all this data. Well, it's because it's vulnerable, though. Because, yeah. You know, like you could theoretically take all oh. of the company's data that way. I mean, imagine if it was an insurance company or you know something like that, and it's got people's bank, yeah. yeah people's private you know health information, HIPAA information. Yeah. So. 
that's that's a whole nother thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> servers servers but, is, a, is a is a really like while like the physical server machine is one thing it encompasses so many things and it's tied into so much of of what a business does that it's 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 pretty expansive it really is and i kind of meant for this to be a, t- a touch on just a little bit of everything that they can do yeah um because server is so vague and broad and you it's kind of one of those not quite a catch-all term, but like... <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it, and I was trying to think of a way to like kind of turn it into an analogy. And one of the best things I came up with was it's it's kind of like being at a restaurant, right? Like as the customer, you go in and you, you are sitting there and you look at a menu and you say, this is what I want. And then someone takes that order and they go into the back and they tell, you know, the chef, here's what it's going to be. You know, here's what they've ordered. And the chef decides to cook all of it up. And then someone comes back and it may not be the person that, that took the order and, and they bring the food back out to you. And that's kind of how uh, like a server works. Like, and you have multiple courses, right? You have your salad, then you have your main course, you have dessert. Like, you're asking for different things. So, as as the as the user, as the client, you're the person sitting in the restaurant, and you know you've got your computer up. You're you're asking, you know, Microsoft Outlook to to go fetch your email. And there's some little guy that you know takes that order, <laughs> and 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 he runs to the back, and and he says, okay, I need to get this order from from John, and and he pulls it back and brings it to. It's, I mean, that's, that is actually a really good analogy. It's it's kind of it's kind it of like a restaurant. It just goes really fast. It, yeah. yeah, it's it's way yeah. I mean, if restaurants could work that fast, um, but it's it's a lot of different things, right? Like servers do different things. Some servers provide you with an application. Some provide you with email. Some provide you just with files. Um, there's there's that's a true. lot of different things that servers can provide, and that's kind of and like different meals. That's perfect. Uh, but there's also things that servers do that you don't even realize they're doing. Like oh, yeah. every time you have to curse under your breath that your password has expired at work <laughs> yep. and you can't get into your computer, it's because there's a server out there that is keeping track of what your login is, how long you've had it, and it's able to um, usually also send you updates to let you know that your password is going to expire. You have 10 days. Ignore. <sighs> yep. <laughs> And um, all of those kind of things as well. And so the people who run the servers have a lot on their plate. And usually you don't notice until something's gone wrong. Yeah. So it's kind of a thankless job. Yeah. And then and then when things do go wrong and the finger gets pointed at you, it's it's a lot of fingers and they're like C T O sometimes fierce. It's it's yeah. yeah. You you play you play a really important role when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And realistically, as a, a server administrator, like your main goal is to not have that ever happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> you wake up every morning and say, please, not today. <laughs> just don't never. Just don't don't let this fail on me today. Yeah. And so consequently, when you have um when you have that mentality, like your goal is to not get in trouble. <laughs> Yeah. You're going to come up with things like redundancies and backups and and all of these kind of things to try to make it all run smoothly. And if you're really good, like we had um TK on and he was talking about how you can do like if a server does go down, he was able to do things like hot swap them where you basically take one server out and you put the next server mm-hmm. in and it's just completely it, it's good to go because you just had basically the entire server 
Yep. And the part of the thing with the virtualization of stuff that makes it easier is that you don't have a physical one to pull out and put in. It's just a you change the direction of the flow of traffic from yeah. the old one to the new one. And 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 even so, like even with the physical ones, it's not like there's some guy running into the room and like unplugging things and plugging them in somewhere else. Um, no. You know, like uh, the team I, I worked on, a lot of, of what, you know, the server architecture that we worked with was, you know, you have this thing called a ring. It's a ring of servers. And maybe mm-hmm. there's maybe there's five servers in this ring. Uh, and they're all serving this application. That's their and And the purpose of them being in a ring is that they can share the load. So n- not a single server doesn't have to carry all of the weight. You can spread it out over the five servers so that it keeps them cooler. It, it provides for um, when, when requests come in, it's more efficient, and which means a faster uh, response time for the end user. Um, so that's that's the ring. And then if something goes wrong with one of them, you can just pull it out of the ring. And then it, it makes a little more work for the other four, but it's, it's safe. Um, so that's like ring and, and load balancing that goes with that to say as requests come in, we're going to send it to you know, server A, now we're going to send it to server B, now we're going to send it to server D, and kind of that way. And then like the redundancy side of it, where where I worked, we had, um, you know, most of our stuff uh, here in the city that I live in, and there was a, an offsite one about 30 minutes away, there was another location, you had another set of servers um, that had the same information on it, kind of like the NAS I was talking about earlier that had my house, so that if something really went wrong, you could just point everything at, at that one in that other city and still have access to. Exactly. And those are the kind of things that um, if you ever hear your IT people freaking out about an update, usually it's because they have to update like all of the things. Mm-hmm. And if it's a really big one, it could potentially take down the whole system. So Yeah. And we had to do that all the time. Like big deal. You'd have to update one where it wasn't live. So you'd take it offline and then you'd update it and then you'd test it and make sure that everything was okay. And then you bring it back up online and test it. And then you take the other one that was live offline and then you update that one. Updating servers is like you sit there and you're biting your nails like, please, please work. Please accept this update. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because if something goes south on an update on a server... Like, it's easy enough to roll back because you've got, you know, backups Mm -hmm. and backups and backups. But, like, you don't want to. (laughs) No. Because that's a lot of work. Like even though it's it's like you can it's it's not just as simple as a pushing a button on a, on a server to to go back. Like you still have to go back and check, make sure it worked. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's so tenuous and and you're just scared the whole time. And that's why like if you ever see on websites they say you know service is going to be down between the hours of like three and five in the morning. Oh, that's another thing. Yeah, that's. Because that's when people are doing updates to your servers when there's the fewest number of people on it. Uh-huh. So usually you, you get at least, I I don't know, probably a dozen nights a year where you have, that's your job is just doing that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So, so treat your server people well. Bring them coffee and donuts or kale, whatever they like. <laughs> yeah, I don't think server people eat kale. They just, it's, yeah, it's like... <laughs> monster energy drinks and and yeah donuts yes. that's that's probably appropriate and i'm sure there's some <laughs> healthy ones it's so high stress that- yes exactly so i think that's at least a good base explanation of what servers do yeah um, we can dive into each kind of server if we really want to in future epi- episodes but 
Yeah. Um, where can we find you on the internet, Corey? So I'm primarily on Twitch. I'm sorry. Oh, I am on Twitch. Um, <laughs> I Yay. do some, some Dungeons & Dragons streaming over there. That's how I know Kim. Um, but I'm also on Twitter, uh, and I'm at, at Dungeons and Diapers, uh, without the U in Dungeons, because there was a character limit, and it's uh, kind of Twitter. unfortunate. I need to change that to make it. I might just, like, someone had D and Diapers, and that's what I wanted. Uh. So I might just do like D and diapers underscore. I might change it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm not really a big social media. <laughs> Fair. Um, but I am, and I kind of <laughs> do all of the things. Um, but if you like what we do here on Service Desk, you can go support us on our Patreon over at patreon.com slash service desk podcast. I think Corey was our first Patreon. Actually. I, I was. That was amazing. So thank you very, very, very much. You're um, I can't guarantee that you'll all get to be on the podcast, but uh, if you come chat in our, our, our room, maybe I will find a, a way to use you in, in the podcast. Um, anyway, uh, if you want to, or if you can't afford to do that, which is perfectly fine, we also take um, rates and reviews, please, 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 on iTunes or any place that you happen to listen to us. And you can find us on all the socials uh, by service at Service Desk Pod, or um, you can just search for Service Desk Podcast and you'll find us. And then you can email us at servicedeskpodcast at gmail.com and send us any questions or show ideas that you might have there. Or, you know, just tweet at me or whatever and we'll we'll get around. Um, yeah, this while you're listening to this out there, it's because it's hosted on a server somewhere. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it's yeah, delivering thanks. it's delivering this information to your ears because of server. Servers run the internet. You're not wrong. It's very true. So I'm Kim, and we are your techie friends.